0: I want you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, we, we have arrived at a very special moment here. This is our last study in the book of Hebrews for the time being, reaching the end of chapter 13. 13 together, I noticed this week that I I came to, and this is message number 49 in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, it kind of bothers me because it's not 50, I need kind of a round number, my wife assured me that 49 is divisible by something, I'm not a mathematician, I don't know, but whatever, but that bothers me that it's not 50, yeah, yeah, okay, I hear you, (laughs) You're happy with 49, I hear that too. As we enter the Christmas season, here's my gift to you, the last sermon, the last sermon of Hebrews. As we enter the Christmas season, for many of us, our thinking does turn to gift giving, doesn't it? We're thinking about gifts, and if you're a youngster especially, you're thinking about gifts that you hope to get. At least I did, when I was a youngster. And that can be good. I mean, after all, think of all that God has given to us. If your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, think of all that God has given to you. You ought to be a good gift giver because of all that God has given to you in Jesus Christ. Believers in Christ, of all people, ought to be really good gift givers. Joyous gift givers. Now, in our family, and you may do this in your family too, we usually ask for a wish list. This does not mean that you're going to get what's on your wish list, but it does help, you know, the gift givers. Decide if there's something there that might be appropriate and something that we can provide, right? Give me a gift, give me a wish list. That kind of helps sometimes. Gives us a better idea of what would be most appreciated and enjoyed from those who, who we wish to give gifts to. Those wish lists do help. Have you ever thought at Christmas time about what Jesus would like from you at Christmas? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought, what does God want from me? How can I give a gift to God? How can I give a gift to Jesus? Of course, Jesus gave first. You realize that. Long before we ever learned how to give gifts, Jesus gave first. And he gives best. He gives the greatest of all. Does he not? He gave himself for our sins. We cannot do that. But praise God, Jesus did. He gives best. And how blessed we are because he is the perfect giver. He gives the perfect gift, doesn't he? How precious. If you're wondering what Jesus might want from you at Christmas, thankfully you don't have to ask him for a wish list. You have something better. Are you holding a Bible in your hands today? I hope you are. I hope you're looking at God's word. If you have a Bible in your possession, you don't need a wish list. Contained within the pages of the Bible is a wish list of sorts. When you read God's Word, you soon discover the heart of God. When you read the Bible, you soon discover what God is passionate about. When you read the Bible, you soon discover what God desires of you. This is one of the reasons we need to read the Bible, so that we will know who God is, what He is passionate about, and what He desires of us. In fact, as we reach the conclusion of our study of the book of Hebrews this morning, we have before us a very good description of what will please God in the lives of His children. What will bring great glory and great honor to God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is Better than all. So what is it God wants from us? That's what we're going to see in the final verses of Hebrews 13, verses 15 through 25 this morning. I want you to follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read from the English Standard Version, beginning at verse 15, Hebrews 13. Through Him, then... Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. We're talking about Jesus, of course. Verse 16 Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with you all. So what does God want from you at Christmas? And not just at Christmas, but all year long. What does does God want from you? We see here, first of all, that God wants you to offer to him sacrifices of praise. You see it in verse 15. Look at verse 15 again. Through him, through the Lord Jesus Christ through Him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. Note here that we do not offer sacrifices for our sins. How precious this is. Think about that. This does not say that we are to offer sacrifices for our sins. This says that because our sins are forgiven, we are to offer sacrifices of praise. You see, we don't offer sacrifices for sins because Jesus has already done that. Once for all. You see, under the old covenant, daily burnt offerings were to be offered to the Lord, but no longer. No longer do we offer sacrifices for sins. They are no longer offered under the new covenant which Jesus ushered in. But let me tell you this, that does not mean that we offer no sacrifices at all. But now, because of the Lord Jesus Christ, and because of the fact that He has cleansed us from our sins, if we have trusted in Him, If we are his followers, we are to continually offer up sacrifices of praise. The sacrifices of praise should never end. We should never get so accustomed to praising God that we forget to praise God, that we think little of our praise and worship offered to God. The Bible makes this clear, that the sacrifices that he wants from those who trust in his Son are sacrifices and offerings not for sins, but sacrifices and offerings of praise worship Psalm 50 verses 9-13 through 13 makes clear that the Lord does not want us he is not, he is not asking for our offerings and sacrifices of animals and shedding their blood He does not want us offering animal sacrifices He has no need for them everything is His anyway one of the things that we need to remember as we give we tend to think sometimes it's what we give. I'm just going to give to the Lord. I get to keep everything else. No, what you have, He wants you to use that too for His honor and glory. And what He desires is our continual sacrifices of praise. And that can be seen in how we use what we call our possessions. A note here that to acknowledge His name means that we acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, that He's the one who died for our sins and was raised for our justification. If we see who He is, and we agree with God about who Jesus is, we wholeheartedly, as we remember today, how much we've been forgiven, we offer God continual offerings and sacrifices of praise and worship because of who Jesus is as we acknowledge His name. And so we are to offer our praise and worship to God. And Psalm 50 notes in verses 14 and verse 23, listen to verse 14, that we are to offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. And then verse 23, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. And so we honor God when we continually offer our praises to him. That's what God wants from us. You want to give something to Jesus at Christmas? Devote yourself to praising Him with every day of your life that He gives you. Worship Him. Adore Him. And not just with the things that you say and the songs that you sing, but with the way that you live your life. Offer yourself as a sacrifice of praise. That's what pleases God. That's what he wants from us. And here's what else pleases God. It's when those who trust in him serve to meet the needs of others. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. What pleases God? What pleases God is when his children minister to meet the needs of others. What pleases God is when you as a follower of Christ follow the example of Christ and look outside yourself, looking to the needs of those around you, looking to the needs of others, caring for the needs of others, using what God has so richly blessed you with to bless and provide for the needs of others. And you're ministering to meet the needs of others, looking outside of yourself, sharing what you have to care for others, is indeed an offering of praise, offered to God. You offer your help to others, you offer encouragement to others when you offer to meet their needs and help them, but you're offering a praise of sacrifice and worship to God. You're recognizing who Jesus is. And because of all that God has done for me through the Lord Jesus Christ, I do this. In the name of Jesus, not for glory and praise for myself, but for glory and praise for Him. We hear Paul describe the gifts the Philippian believers gave for his ministry just this way. In Philippians 4.18, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. a Listen, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Here's what pleases God. Serving, giving, providing to meet the needs of others. Look around you. You will see people with needs. Now, you need to know this. You do not share to meet the needs of others. You do not give gifts to earn God's approval. You know that, right? You don't give to to meet the needs of others so that God will approve of you. That's already been taken care of. You already have God's approval. We don't call on you to give such gifts as our gifts to the King or our worship through offering. We don't call on you to do that because you need God's approval. When you, when you do that, you gain God's approval? No. You already have God's approval if your faith is in Christ Jesus. Jesus' sacrifice for your sins on the cross has earned God's approval on your behalf. Something you can never do. So what we're being taught here is that the outworking of your faith in Christ is the sacrifice and offering of worship that you give that shows up in the shape of giving and serving to meet the needs of others. That is what we call faith in action. I'm going to give, I'm going to care for the needs of others because I trust God to supply all of my needs because he supplied my greatest need through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's faith in action. And these sacrifices truly please the Lord. These sacrifices truly honor and glorify God. Next, we learn from the writer that what God wants from you is that you obey your leaders. Obey your leaders. Look at verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. You see, the church... The body of Christ needs godly leaders. That's how God intended it. God's intent is for there to be men who lead the church. And we addressed this in an earlier study when we noted the instruction of verse 7. Look back at verse 7 where it says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now the implication here is that those leaders had better be godly leaders whose faith is worthy of imitating. Your leaders ought to be growing in Christ's likeness, ought to be growing in faith. We don't expect any human being to be perfect, do we? We don't. And God's Word does not, but God's Word gives us instruction about what should be taking place in the life of those who lead, and it should be that the lives of those who lead are being shaped by God's Word. And what we noted when we considered verse 7 was that godly leaders preach the Bible and demonstrate a life lived in accordance with the Bible, a life that is being changed by the Bible. And so this instruction is to obey the teaching of your leaders. And this necessitates that your leaders be godly, who not only teach the Bible, but also obey God's word themselves, you see, your leaders do not have the liberty of leading however they wish. We who lead will answer to God as to whether we led biblically or not. And so serious is this that James 3.1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now it will help you To remember that it's not the leader you are obeying so much as it is God you're obeying. It is God you are obeying as your leader proclaims the truth of the Bible. This is so important for those who lead to be grounded in the Word of God and to be proclaiming what God's Word proclaims. No more. No less. So honor God. By following and obeying your leaders. This is what pleases the Lord. This is what He desires of you. This is what you can give God. Follow your godly leaders' example. Follow their godly example and obey them as they teach you the Bible. As they tell you what God's Word says and call you to obedience. And remember that what God wants from you is joyful obedience. Obedience. And that's the same that he asks of you as you obey your leaders. And verse 17 is clear that this is good for you. Wholeheartedly and joyfully obeying your leaders without complaint and without causing division is good for you because doing so will bring them joy. You see, honoring God in this way will bring joy to your leaders and this in turn will be good for you. It would be no benefit to you, says the verse before us, that That We bring sorrow and, and discouragement to our leaders because we disobey what they proclaim from God's Word. This will not be good for you, but wholeheartedly and joyfully obeying leaders without complaining, without causing division is good for you because doing that will bring them joy. Honoring God in this way will bring joy to your leaders. And this, in turn, will be good for you as they joyfully lead you. But if your leaders groan under the responsibility of leading you, something is out of sorts. Something is out of place. And what can often be out of place is that people refuse to obey God's Word. May it not be true among us that we hear the truth of God's Word proclaimed and yet turn our backs on that truth. This is heartbreaking to those who lead you, who who desire for you to honor God by obeying His Word. It is heartbreaking. This brings grief to your leaders and to God when you refuse to obey God's Word. So consider carefully the teaching and the example of your leaders and follow them. Obey their instruction and do so with joy. If you will honor God, If you will obey His word, then not only will this bring your leaders great joy, not only will this please God, but this will also bring you great joy. Next, what does God want from you? He wants you to pray for your leaders. Look at verses 18 and 19 again. He wants you to pray for your leaders. Note in verses 18 and 19, we hear the writer of Hebrews requesting the prayers of his readers on his behalf. Pray for us, says verse 18. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now, the nature of the request for prayer here and the statement that his conscience is clear may indicate that the writer was facing resistance from local authorities. He may have been facing resistance as he proclaimed the truth of the gospel. And it may have been even that the writer was imprisoned or otherwise kept from visiting his readers. We can kind of sense that from verses 18 and 19. It's it's this... Call for prayer that this is such a powerful reminder to us that we ought to pray for our leaders, pray for those who lead us. Whatever the case, this fitting reminder to pray for your leaders is, is important and there's helpful guidance here about what to pray for those who lead you. Notice the important scene here in verse 18 of those who lead having a clear conscience and honorable behavior, honorable conduct. It is always fitting it is always fitting that you pray for your leaders that their lives would be lived in accordance with and conformity to God's Word. So that their good behavior would be an example not only for you to follow, but for everyone to follow, and that their good behavior would be a good testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, only the leader who is seeking to obey God's Word can have a clear conscience and a godly example before the watching world. So pray for your leaders. Do not take lightly this important spiritual discipline that God has given you, this important spiritual responsibility to pray for your leaders and hold them up before the Lord. Pray for your leaders that God would strengthen them and give them His grace, give them His wisdom, and give them His help as they seek to obey and teach God's Word. Pray that they will be lovers of God's Word. and and hungering and thirsting after righteousness themselves. This will be good for you when your leaders hunger and thirst after righteousness and seek to obey God and honor Him and have a clear conscience and have honorable behavior. This pleases the Lord and this will be good for you Now, I want you to note that not only should you be praying for those who lead you, that they be godly leaders who honor God with their obedience, but I want you to note that God desires the same for you. He desires for you to seek the equipping that God will give you to do His will. God wants you to seek the equipping of God to do His will. Look at it in verses 20 and 21. Now, may the God of peace Now look at verse 20, from whom can we expect the equipping to do God's will? This is so encouraging to me. Think about the help that we need to do God's will in this culture, in this world in which we live, and just facing the the everyday nitty-gritty of life. Note that verse 20 says we have the God of peace. I desperately need the God of peace in my life. How about you? I'm so thankful that we have a God of peace who not only brings peace and promises to bring peace into this world, but brings peace daily into our lives when we seek to honor Him and equips us for obedience. That God of peace equips us and strengthens us so that we might obey Him. That was a significant statement for the original recipients of this letter who were likely experiencing the difficulty and the turmoil of facing resistance for their faith in Christ. This is one of the reasons this letter was written, to encourage believers who are facing opposition and persecution for their faith to remain firm in their faith, to do do not lose sight of the Lord Jesus Christ and who He is and what He has done. And when there's trouble and turmoil in your life, what you need is the God of peace to equip you for obedience with everything good that you may do His will. Now, How does God, and how does the God of peace equip you? Your mighty God, who brought Jesus from the dead, who made a new covenant for your forgiveness with His shed blood, begins with the Holy Spirit. He gives you His indwelling presence. He begins with the Holy Spirit. When you trust in Christ, He moves in. He indwells you as a believer in Jesus Christ. And when you trust in Christ, He gives you His Spirit to indwell you, to comfort you, to guide you, to bring conviction when you sin so that you'll confess your sins and return to obedience quickly. But the work of the Holy Spirit also requires that you feed your soul with His Word. You see, the Spirit will use the Bible as you read it and apply it to your own life to do His work. Equipping you, as it says here, with everything good that you may, what? Do His will. That you might obey. The Bible also equips you for humble prayer. Teaching you how to pray. And it teaches you what to pray for. For what to pray? So that you will yield your life daily to His will being done as He works in you and through you. So once again, we're reminded to read the Bible. This cannot be overemphasized or overstated, the importance of reading the Bible for ourselves. As I look ahead for us as a church, if I can say there's one thing that I want of us, the most is that we would be praying Bible readers, that we would humble ourselves before God's Word so that His Word not only instructs our living, but instructs the way that we think and the way that we learn how to pray and what to pray for. So once again, we're reminded to read and seek to know God's Word because it is from the pages of the Bible that God will equip you with all good things. Be careful that you're not looking for the all good things in all the wrong places. God has given you His Word. He has placed in you His Holy Spirit. He calls you and He says, I will give you all good things that you might do My will. Do not neglect His Word. Do not neglect your Bibles. Become a reader of God's Word. We're approaching a new year quickly. Many of us make New Year's resolutions. Some of us have quit making New Year's resolutions because we don't keep them. But if there's something I could challenge you with and encourage you with, it's reading God's Word every day. That would be a life-changing resolution in the life of this church if each and every person in this fellowship devoted them to being a person of God's Word, a person who reads the Bible every day. That's going to look different for every one of us. Some of you may have an hour to read every day. Some of you may have five minutes in your morning when you're getting ready for work and you need God's Word to equip you and encourage you. Let that be a challenge to you. Let that be an encouragement to you. The Bible equips you not only in how to live, but on how to pray. And God will equip you with all good things that you might do His will, as He is, verse 21, working in you that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. I want you to note how verse 21 closes with an important reminder there. I just read it. That you are seeking the equipping of God to do His will so that God the Son will be glorified. So that the world will see from your life that Jesus is better than all. Is it your desire to live a life that glorifies God, that, that makes much of Jesus? That's that's an appropriate desire. That's something that pleases the Lord. This is what God wants from you. And so, with that, the writer of Hebrews closes this letter with a final appeal for obedience. It's... It, fitting, I think, that these last few verses, this last section begins with this appeal for obedience. Just look at verse 22 again. I appeal to you brothers, bear with my word of exhortation. It's it's a plea to listen, to heed, to pay attention to, and to obey God. What does Jesus want for Christmas. Simply stated, He wants you. He wants you to believe in His Son. This has been the purpose of the writer of Hebrews throughout, to call us back to who Jesus is, that we might see Him as better than all and believe in Him as Savior and Lord. He wants you to believe in His Son. He wants your devotion. He wants your all. He wants your heart. He wants your life. And though this sounds like a lot of giving up of yourself, that is just what God knows is good for you. That you give up yourself. That you look outside of yourself and look to Christ. Because He will never fail to equip you with everything good if you will keep your life centered on Jesus who is better than all. How blessed we are to have the Lord Jesus Christ who is better than all. Give God yourself. Give the Lord Jesus Christ yourself. Give Him your all. Give Him your passions, your desires, your life, your heart. He wants you.